Jason Lau, what a pleasure speaking to this young man. He is uh, a strength and conditioning coach out of Vancouver. Uh, he focuses on, you know, rotational uh, sports. So of course I'm, I'm a golfer. Uh, he's got great videos on getting the golf speed from 100 to 130 uh, miles per hour. Uh, but we just have a great conversation on, on uh, he's a young man. He's in his late twenties, <clears throat> excuse me, and how he's able to bring his passion to a business now. Uh, and what, what he did with discipline. Uh, he rebelled for a long time in his young 20s. He was in a disciplined household, disciplined area, and he rebelled against it. And in his words, he moved away from it to these other areas. But to me, it seemed like he got more disciplined in what he did because he focused in other areas. It's a very, very interesting perspective and what motivates him and uh, you know what, how he measures success. This is a really interesting conversation. Uh, with Jason Lau. I really enjoyed it. I look forward to meeting him face to face, but a great discussion. Uh, I know you're going to enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Joey Pins. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born. Next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, hypertension. I knew something had to change. Discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges in your career, in your family, in your life, in your faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them, hopefully? It all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society? Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family and their passion and their careers and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration. Jason, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, really appreciate your time. So strength and conditioning is increasing your golf swing a matter of strength well with that it's it's a mixture of all so strength is a way of uh, you being able to produce as much as uh, as much force as possible now we would also use modalities like ballistic and jumps uh, jump training or plyometrics to help uh, increase rate of force development so you need you need hmm. strength itself is not just going to um help you it, it will help you if you're a beginner but as you get more towards the intermediate as your training age starts uh increasing as you get further into that uh uh your your experience as you as you further ex your experience you need different forms of modalities um now there are things like like a lot of people say strength is a foundational uh, quality to have for any form of athletes, right? And it is true, but that doesn't mean you only need to train strength. You can do something like concurrent training where uh, we would train multiple qualities at the same time or within the same session or within the same training block. Hmm. And that is concurrent training. So when people come to you, do they have a particular goal in mind? Like, you know, I know you work with volleyball, hockey, you work with handball, mm -hmm. baseball, dodgeball. I happen to be a golfer, but do they have a particular kind of goal in mind? Well, a lot of times it's a very simplistic goal. For example, uh, I want to be faster on the court. I want to be better conditioned or for golfers, because it is a very anaerobic uh, focused sport, like a power sport. Mm. Uh, a lot of them are here for increasing or hitting further on their drives or on their irons, for example, on their approach. Um, with that, I do also explain to them that 
there are other qualities that you will need. For example, you need to be healthy first and foremost. Mm. That's like a basic human function. You need to be what I like to use the, uh, is robust. You need to have a robust, uh, be a robust athlete. Now, what that does is basically protects you from the downsides and mitigates injury risk. Mm. And that's what strength is for too, right? Um, the stronger we are, the more we are able to handle such forces uh, through, for example, a swing or even the amount or volume of swings we do during practice and on the course. Very interesting. I mean, let's let's, mm-hmm. let's talk about that too. I mean, I know you're you're in Canada. I'm in I'm in the states, but we have a a serious epidemic here of mm-hmm. obesity and you know overweight. Uh, so close to seventy five percent here, and <laughs> it's a very interesting point that you bring up. It's like to get stronger and to get more flexible. Really, the foundation is just mm-hmm. to be healthy. Yeah, for sure. And um, a lot of times, I say we have to train like an athlete now. What that encompasses is just athletic movements, running, jumping, uh, sprinting, uh, moving things fast. And now that's not only reserved for athletes. Hmm. And I'm pretty sure you already know a lot of people who approach the gym at first is just, you know, bodybuilding. Let's just build muscle, for example. Hmm. Um, you can do all of that to a certain extent with athletic training. It's not just for younger generation or the athletic population. Through uh, performance tools, we are able to build muscle and lose weight as well. Interesting. So Mm -hmm. if they're not healthy, your first goal is to get Mm -hmm. them healthy and then get them stronger or simultaneous? It is simultaneously. Now, that goes into what we talk about, like discipline, right? Right. It's to put in habits and A lot of people, when they go onto a diet or start their fitness journey, they're very black and white in their approach. For example, Um, they say, okay, I have to cut out all these foods. I can't eat them. I have to, you know, eat at this diet plan and whatnot. And I'm not the biggest advocate for that Hmm. because it's one, it's a huge thing. It's it's not sustainable. And I'm all about sustainability. Um, You can do it for, let's say, several months, right? But a lot of people, especially in Vancouver, it's a huge like food scene, yeah, right? Great food. And oh, for sure, yeah. like a lot of people get enjoyment from eating food. Now, that's where I teach people the 80-20 rule. So let's say we look at it from a seven-day perspective. Um, 80% of your seven days should be, you should be eating in terms of like having a healthier mindset and whatnot. And then the other 20, or maybe some people even go just 10%. They just have like a day where they socialize, they go out and eat. They don't really look at uh, what's in uh, their food that they ordered. They're just there to enjoy themselves. Because when we're too strict with a lot of things, I find um, it, like I said, it doesn't become sustainable and people break eventually. And I've had those moments. Um, For example, like very personal story of mine. Um, I've competed in powerlifting for hmm. for about like three, four years, three years. <clears throat> uh, my first meet, I had I cut about 10, 15 pounds into a weight class because I wanted to be competitive. Everyone around me told me not to, but I wanted the BC records. So I ate at a deficit and I was very strict with my diet. And after that, I decided to jump a weight class up. So I decided to gain 15 pounds over a course of a year and a half uh, because it, it was a, a lot healthier for me. Now, going with that, I now I have a high metabolism too. So I, I had to force myself to eat a lot. Hmm. Now, both sides of the spectrum, um, when I'm too strict, I end up binge eating, for example. Um, there'd be moments where, let's say, after a meet, I would be eating let's say whatever i crave for example for me i have a huge sweet tooth so i would be eating a lot of uh sweets in one sitting for example what i did once was i had a dozen donuts on top of that i had two bubble teas and a full cheesecake nice and halfway through oh it's not nice (laughs) definitely not no like halfway through you feel disgusting but it's like i started i just needed to satisfy the 
the action of stuffing my face mm. because I've been so deprived, right? And then like that goes towards like discipline and sustainability because you have to be disciplined in terms of reaching your goals, but you also have to be disciplined in making it last, mm. making whatever habits you um, you Im- like implement last. So a lot of people, when they think that when you have to start a habit, it has to be, you have to do this. Like there's no way you can break this. And they're t- a little too hard on themselves. And what I urge a lot of people to do is make time for where you can just back off and enjoy yourself. Because with discipline, habits, and any form of training, it, we're here for the long term. It's not a short term kind of thing, right? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a complete shift. Uh, you you mm-hmm. know, I I lost a lot of weight. I found myself, yeah, you know, two hundred forty pounds, mm-hmm. and so I just I didn't I pretty much mm-hmm. kept everything I ate before, but just cut it in half. I did get rid of all the sweet drinks, right? All the mm-hmm. soda that sure. was all cut off because that's just silly calories. I like to call it. You know, you just do without yeah. it. You could just. I had a lot of uh, ice green tea at the time and a lot of water. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a a, a a nice, well, zero calorie substitute. But um, I mm-hmm. didn't do anything drastic, like you know, yes, less than four hundred calories or something crazy like that. It's just not sustainable. And then you'll relapse. I know so many people who lost a lot of weight and just gain it back. Oh, for sure, and uh, it happens a lot, especially. What I find for for bodybuilders too, uh, they go on a diet, they do the show, and after that they binge and they binge, and they're supposed to actually slowly increase their ca- calories and like recomp their metabolism and kind of like in a way fix it, right? Like mm. in in better for worse terms, um, and kind of bring them back to like maintenance levels and get their body used to it. But a lot of people can develop eating disorders through that, um, wow. through like not properly recomping their metabolism or uh, body back to um, regular maintenance right and that's where for some people that i've heard is that they have eating disorders that come out of it they have huge weight gain because you're so you're so used to eating at a lower amount of calories and you have that sudden surplus right it's Mm. it's like it's like you're drinking from uh for example you're drinking from a uh a cup and you just slowly go down in size for the cup and then suddenly you just want to drink more water and maybe the cup you're used to drinking is about 250 milliliters or let's say six ounces, for example. Um, and then from there, you just drink 10 ounces every day. That's going to cause some sort of bloating or overspill. You can't even fill the cup with, uh, hmm. uh, it's going to overfill, right? So same thing goes towards um, drastic me- measures for diet and uh, habits. Yeah, you know, Jason, I feel compelled. You're talking about bodybuilding, <laughs> what's going on with the Olympics now. Uh, how serious of an issue is, you know, with doping and and steroid use in that in that arena? Is it significant? You know what? I I don't have anyone at that level and I then that's a goal I want. I want someone to be competing at the top level, an athlete that I'm coaching for sure. That's something I'm working towards. Um but I think in the competitive world with all the nations or some of the the nations actually using some form of doping i wouldn't be surprised Hmm. and it's like if someone has that edge i wouldn't blame other countries on using it it's become such a um common thing now Hmm. for example i mean if you look at the mlb um a lot of people in the past have been caught doping for sure right and it's it's so accessible for example uh at one of the old gyms that i first started out in it's like a very sketchy sketchy gym like a lot of people were on something and it's so easy to obtain nowadays that it becomes recreational use Hmm. no matter like how heavy of a dosage you're using or how light anyone can get something right right so i i don't blame them and Honestly, it's actually, for me, it's actually very interesting in seeing this kind of stuff. For example, I don't, I'm not sure if you've ever seen the Netflix documentary called Icarus. Unbelievable. Wonderful documentary. 
Wonderful. Amazing. Wonderful. Amazing. Yes. And I mean, I, I get it. Russia is known for it. Sure. But the way they did it was, Ugh. and the process was insane. Have to watch it. Whoever's listening. I mean, the, he ends up, he's a bicyclist and he's just doing this himself and ends up meeting the head person at Russia and he defects and he talks mm -hmm. about stories about putting urine through holes in walls. And uh, it's it just it, unbelievable. It was wonderful. And sad. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's sad and wonderful and it's super interesting. But at the same time, this is what our world has become, and that's what science has become. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, we're always looking to be better, to be stronger, faster, whatever it is. And when you're at that kind of level, there are some people there are hundred percent some people that aren't doping and they're just genetically amazing and they put in that hard work they go in day in day out but sometimes when you need that extra edge i can understand where mm. people would resort to doping right and the way they keep samples for weeks and months because new <clears throat> technologies will be released that could find them i mean even with lance armstrong we i think it was revealed in that documentary how you mm -hmm. you they went the first 18 spots in the Tour de France, and the last one, were all doping. You had to go 18 spots mm -hmm. before you didn't find somebody who wasn't. I mean, um, so I mean, when it comes to strength, strength and conditioning, which is your, which is your wheelhouse, which is your focus, which is your discipline. I mean, uh, certainly, the drugs can help in healing. Once you get hurt, they can help there. Oh, for sure. Um, it will definitely help in terms of. Uh, <laughs> just like physicality wise re recovery yeah. but at the same time i haven't dealt with uh, or coached anyone that has been doping and that's another there like there's there's a science to it because these guys can recover faster these guys are stronger have like it like they whatever we learned in terms of like the law of the human body for example like that goes out the window when you, you start doping right um i would honestly like love to work with someone who is like doping on recreational uses personally just to see what we can do <laughs> but in a competition setting we obviously can't right? right because like even in like when i was competing even at local powerlifting meets there are some people who were caught doping yeah they it, took it's, urine it's, it's they were tested yeah they yeah yeah i was tested before too wow yeah and because like how how that process goes is especially oh, like at local meets they will randomly select someone who is competing and then just get them to test it. Wow. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. I don't know how we got off on this subject, but I, it's an important one, I guess with, with what's going on now. Uh, but so Jason, how can you, I'm at about my swing speed on my driver is about a hundred now. And I, okay. I watch your videos and I see people get to one thirty. <clears throat> yeah. How do we do Recently it? Recently one, one at a 139, Whoa. so which is like insane. Um, how do you do it? Well, I say this in my post a lot. First and foremost, number one in the priority list is the most specific thing you can do to your sport is sport practice comes first. Mm. You go into the range, you get a coach, you do what you need to do, master your swing. And golf is a basically relatively a, a, a one sporting action sport hmm. but it is so technical there's uh such a it's unforgiving there's such a low uh threshold for error because if, if you if you hit the ball wrong like on your club it's going somewhere else right right and it could affect how you play on the course now that's the thing sport practice comes first and a lot of people uh like in a technical sport, in a the the more technical the sport is, the less strength and conditioning matters or plays a part. For example, if uh, let's 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 compare uh, golf to a linebacker. There's not much te technical stuff needed in being a linebacker, so you need strength. You need to be physically fit. Whereas for some golfers, if you're Technique is great. Your your strategy is good. Um, you don't really need strength and conditioning. At the end of the day, in any sport, strength and conditioning is an aid, is a support 
plays a supportive role. Hmm. And that's what a lot of people need to understand. Um, so that's the first thing on the priority list, which is sport practice comes first, right? I'd say second on the priority list is making sure you're healthy. Hmm. It, it, that, that, that's in tied with one, right? Like making sure you're healthy, you're eating properly, your body's functioning properly, for example. Um, and then from there, we go to your physicality side, which is improving your engine. Uh, improving your raw physicality and that's where strength and conditioning comes in that helps uh, improve your engine so to speak and how much raw force how much raw power how fast you can move right and then so so approaching it from a strength and conditioning perspective i adopt a concept which is a bottoms up approach now what that is is looking at what is needed right here right now and then for for a lot of people depending on their like training experience if they're new to strength conditioning or new to the weight room okay we need to lay a foundation don't get me wrong we'll still do jumps we'll still do all the fun stuff but you're within your session the the thing that's emphasized is going to be learning the movements being efficient with it as well as building strength hmm Right. So now, now we're now we're looking at what we need right here, right now. The second thing we'll look at, and this this is actually 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 explain all these concepts in the recent article I wrote called Agile Periodization. Now, the second thing we look at is what is available, what equipment do we have, how many people do we have in the session, what can we do to abide to what physical qualities we need for the athlete. And then, and then we look at what we can do or what our outcome, what the outcome we want is. Now, I would merge that with a top-down approach where we would look at the overall plan. So what is the main outcome we want for golfers, which is one, injury mitigation to prevent from repetitive strain injury. Because we're only swinging, let's say I'm right-handed. Yeah. I only swing from right to left. There's going to be imbalances and something's going to be overworked, something's going to be strained somewhere down the line. It's not like we're going to, you know, try and balance things out and swing with my left hand right. now from my left side because that's just a waste of time, let's be honest. Um, hmm. So now we look at, okay, so how to prevent injury or how to mitigate injury and increase clubhead speed, right? And then we go down from there. Okay, how much time do we have? What is the phases of the training block we must look at. And then now we look at what we can do. So when you merge both approaches, now you have a free form plan, which is, or an agile plan, which is the top down approach. And then the protecting from downsides, what is needed right here, right now from the bottoms up. Very right? interesting. And then, yeah. And then, so with, with strength, it's almost like a safety net like I said before, for mitigating injury. But we also need to look at uh, the studies that sports scientists has come up with, peer-reviewed studies. Now, a study from William Wayland, um, a amazing golf and I think a uh, mixed martial arts strength and conditioning coach out in the UK. I'm not exactly too sure where, but he's like he's like big in- inspiration for me. And he has come out a study where they have found a correlation between uh, strong lower extremity, high vertical jumps with increasing club head speed. So that gives us strength and conditioning coaches a bit of a kind of like a clue of how to, how to plan or training around those. Again, that's not, it's not like, Oh, you have to have to do this because everything builds, everything you do builds towards that. But it gives us a for uh, a small guideline, for hmm. example. Yeah. Can you repeat that? What what <clears throat> about the swing speed? What are the two factors? So so in fact, three factors. Um, so strong lower body mm-hmm. or strong lower extremity, a high vertical jump, hmm. and counter movement jump, which is where we stand up tall and we actively pull ourselves down as fast as possible and come up as fast as possible in the jump. Like a like a standing squat, almost, almost, yeah. So it's when you're up on the squat, and then you actively drop it, 
drop down as fast as you can and reverse that action to jump up as high as you can. Interesting. So a counter movement, yeah. So all that, all those three factors lead to <clears throat> to stronger. You would think there'd be some like twists, some Russian twists or some kind of twisting. There. Oh no, hundred percent. There's now now we now we look at the the one of the principles of strength and conditioning, which is a general to specific approach. Hmm. Now, um, the most general approach, for example, is you know squat, deadlift, that sort of stuff, like strengthening our lower body, right, through these compounds, lift as much weight as possible. Now, somewhere in between the general and the specific would be your jumps. And if you want to look at the most specific uh, modalities we can use in the weight room would be something like a medicine ball rotational toss or a throw, something with the rotation where uh, this is what we call ballistics, where you you can accelerate without deceleration so that's where we throw something right hmm. versus if i were to squat something fast i have to decelerate at one point at the end of the um movement yeah very interesting so a medicine ball so i mean to mimic the swing i'd have to clear my hips so make sure my hips get open first and then kind of toss the ball that's yeah very interesting and a lot of people with medicine ball work um think that oh i have to go heavier and heavier hmm. It's actually not really the case because if let's say you use a medicine ball that's about 15 to 20 pounds, there becomes there, there's a certain point where our skill acquisition starts degrading because we have to compensate for the weight. And mm. now this is where we call, uh, it could be considered as a no man's land where we are doing not enough weight to make physical adaptations but we're doing too much weight where skill acquisition is altered or lost interesting so i i'm pretty sure like you've seen back in the day there some people fall into what we call the sports specific trap where they would do a swing with let's say i don't know a resistance band attached to something that falls into no man's land where you're not doing enough for physical uh, adaptations, but you're doing too much that it messes with your skill acquisition. Hmm. Now for medicine ball, I like to keep it a little lighter for the tosses. So something anywhere 10, 10 pounds or lower. And as they go into, let's say they go into a, they're in season for golf or they're like touring, for example, I would actually get something lighter and get them to throw it with intent behind the ball. So for example, my cue I like to give to my athletes is we're throwing it or tossing it into a brick wall. I tell them, I want you to break through the wall with the ball. Hmm. Now it's not just like a, um, like a half throw, right? They're right. actually throwing it with as force. much power as they force as they can. Right. And then I would watch, uh, watch how the ball impacts the wall if it starts the velocity starts dropping significantly then we we like cut it right away because we're just here to do enough to make adaptations but not like train them until they're super fatigued they're crawling out of the gym we're just here to mm. do enough to work to create adaptations while not being too invasive to their sport practice because if you go into practice sore, hurting from the gym, you're not going to have the best practice. And again, mm -hmm. it brings me back to the point of sport practice comes first. Right? Technique, strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> now, about, I don't know, 10 years ago, we were told as golfers to get like a, mm -hmm. they had like these weighted clubs mm -hmm. that are whippy and have a big <clears throat> ball at the end. And so you, you, you kind of warm up with a weighted mm -hmm. club. And we were told within the last couple of years not to do that anymore and actually use lighter, whippier, uh, you know, just shafts to get your swing speed up. Uh, and that's yeah. better. What, what's, your, what's your thought on that? So I like both approaches. I am... It's very situational. <clears throat> I would probably use the heavier one. Like, okay, just a disclaimer out there. I'm no golf coach. Mm. I look at the uh, strength and conditioning side. I'm not a skills coach at all. Right. By any means, I'm terrible at golf. I try, but I'm terrible. <laughs> um, 
but I like from a strength and conditioning uh, perspective, you, if you need something to help sequence you and with some weight behind, the weighted club might actually help. Or uh, if you want to build speed, you can use something called uh, a speed stick. I'm pretty from Super Speed Golf. That's exactly that what is, I was referring to. Yeah, yeah it does, it's only a couple grams lighter, and it works because it helps um, like you to fire your like your muscle fibers and neuromuscular stuff sure. just as fast as possible, right? It's 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 almost like a primer if you think about it. Now, I have I don't have my hands on any of those clubs just yet. But it is definitely something that I've been looking into using into training. And it works. It, there's clearly clear evidence that it actually works. And it's similar to in the gym. We sometimes do band-assisted jumps for the same reason. You're lighter. You higher velocity work. Same, same principles apply to the super speed golf speed sticks. Very interesting. I mean, I find, mm -hmm. again, this mm -hmm. is just me, and we're getting into the weeds a little here, but, but I love it. Mm -hmm. um, I find that when I get those speed sticks, I end up using my, my arms too much and not using my hips and my legs enough. But that's just me. I just have to work on that because yeah. it, it, the swing starts from your – I've got big legs. I played soccer all my life, but mm -hmm. I just find myself when it's lighter like that, just kind of swinging faster but not using my torso and my hips and my lowers, which you all mentioned. Yeah, I mean – and, and in – in turn, like to stop that, maybe before you use the speed stick, you might pair it with the the heavier one, mm. just to sequence it. For example, um, I might be wrong, and I uh, encourage anyone or any skills coach in golf to message me and discuss it because, like, this is something that I'm, I'm like, very passionate about, and I do want to talk to uh, someone about it. Mm. And it, it's a very interesting like concept to use and especially i have that same problem where in i like in the gym we to move things fast we have to be super tense right. but in golf it's completely different yeah. it starts from the ground up our upper body kind of just follows through yeah right and i've noticed that's where my best uh swings come from right and for your issue, you might just start with a slightly lighter club. Hmm. May it might be because it's too light, for example. So that might be like a technical issue or just uh, a, a, a neuro issue. Hmm. Well, like all sports, most of it's mental, <clears throat> right, Jason? I mean, one hundred percent. You know, when I have a coach and, and, and she's excellent and she straightens me out because I think I'm doing one thing, but then she says, no, you're doing this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe I am clearing my legs enough and I don't, you know, realize it, but you know, it's, um, you just, you just want to get better, but your focus is mm -hmm. on what you call rotational sports. Yes. Which, what does that mean? It, honestly, I'll be honest. It's just a name. It's just a label. I see. Right. It's it's I, I just focus on uh, rotational heavy sports like throwing, uh, hitting tennis. That's sort of swinging tennis. I am I'm actually looking to work with uh, a couple tennis players in the future, but I've also worked with a little bit badminton, uh, hockey, and that's just what has approached me in the past, and I just decided to run with it. And it, it's not like and it, it these are all sports that I have interest in mm. for example um, I grew actually grew up playing sports but not so rotational heavy maybe Taekwondo and that's about it like uh, I've primarily focused on uh, martial arts and swimming actually but those aren't as rotational mm. and it's just something that I have interest in and it's the the sequencing of it is so Com it seems so simple, but it's actually so complex to actually get. Yeah, boy, I could tell you when uh, those hockey players play golf, man, mm -hmm. they keep their head down and hit that ball a mile. And then baseball players mm -hmm. generally kind of especially, keep, yeah, they keep their kind of shoulders mm -hmm. up a little bit because they're trying to hit it out of the park. But still, yeah. but they, they've got the you know they've got that <laughs> swing down, and you can you can just tell. So my other sports are tennis and now pickleball, which has become really popular here in the States. What is that? Really? Never heard of pickleball. Interesting. No. 
It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's the <a clears throat> size of a badminton court. It's a lower net. There, the rackets are solid, and you play. You ever, you ever see a wiffle ball? I don't know if you ever play with a wiffle yeah. ball. So it's play with wiffle ball. It's on a, it's on a court, and it's uh, the ball isn't. It's got a bounce. It's so it's an in between tennis and and badminton, and uh, it's become very. It's the fastest growing sport in the U.S. and it's it was made oh, in the wow. Northwest. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I guess the people who invented it, their dog was named Pickle, and it went and chased the ball. So it's called Pickleball now. <laughs> yeah, it's like forty years old. But uh, I interviewed no somebody uh, who is the uh, you know an advocate, and I started <clears throat> playing it. And but again, it's rotational, so it's um, yeah, you know, you, you it's. Actually, you got to throw racquetball in there too because it's more wrist. Ten- tennis is more elbow, right? And, yeah. and racquetball and, mm-hmm. and, and, and pickleball a bit more wrist um, events. But I, w- I would suspect that you'll start seeing some pickleball people, Jason, coming to you. Yeah, no, no, 100%. I'm very interested. I'm always interested in like working with new sports, um, even though like my specialization is, let's say, uh, golf, right? Mm. And like throwers. But I am always open to working with new people, not like in person or remotely, right? Um, but at, at the same time, back to the rotational thing, all sports have a rotational component mm. in it. So like, I might be shooting myself in the my own foot here, but <laughs> but like, it's just a label right. that I put. And it shouldn't be thought as too much because like, if you look into detail of like running and whatnot, there is some form of rotation in mm. there as well. Yeah, there certainly is. And and you mentioned Taekwondo, certainly in martial arts, which is something I never did, 100%. but it's so the way martial arts teaches discipline, uh, it's, um, mm-hmm. it's remarkable. And, uh, I, I I work with so many people in the business world that have a, and you could tell when they have a background in martial arts, you could just, they're just different. It's almost like mm. they were in the military, you know, it's just very focused. Yeah. And uh, like, aside from martial arts, I also was in sea cadets for ah. a couple of years. Um, I'm, I'll be the first one to say it. I'm not the most disciplined person. I'm working on that. Um, there, when you grow up in such a, strict and disciplined environment as a kid uh you either continue that into your adult life or you rebel against it which i did Hmm. and i think a lot of my early 20s was a rebellious kind of thing up until i'm 28 now so up until 23 uh it is like i have started implementing let's say daily non-negotiables non-negotiables what you have to do this is something you have to do there's something a habit you have to form and if you don't like what you're doing then you slowly wean off that habit right Um, and a lot of self-help books help with that Mm. and uh, not all of them are useful perfectly honest but I'll still read them and have any form of like take some notes from it right because you can learn from anything any experience it's very interesting, Jason, the way you approach this. So you said that you you were you were in a disciplined household, but you rebelled against it in your early twenties. And now this is when you went into the military. This is when you're doing martial arts. I mean, all those require discipline. Yeah, but I left that eventually, and to pursue other things. And when you're out of that environment and you gain some freedom, is where and is where I start slacking off, huh? Or I started to right because. Discipline was not on my mind at that time. Now that I'm, uh, so this, what I'm doing now is the process of a passion project becoming a career. Huh. And now where you're independent, now where you're working for yourself, you're self-employed, that's a huge, uh, that, that's jumping into the deep end yes, of discipline. Yes, yes. Because now whatever, and I, and I love this, and that's the thing why I pursued it, because at the end of the day, I have no one else to blame but myself. And taking ownership is part of discipline. Yeah. And that is very exciting to me because now many factors, not all factors, but many factors are somewhat within your control. And when you have that form of control, it's it's nice yet it's stressful. Mm. 
So it's a double-edged sword. You can use that stress to push yourself or motivate you, whatever. But it's like they say, and I'm pretty sure you've had guests that has said this, is like, you can be motivated to do something, but motivation doesn't last. No. Discipline does. Hmm. Right? So that's something I'm striving towards, especially, you know, as a as as a person who's working on their own business, working on their own career. At the end of the day, it's 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 my within my hands to make this work right certainly is jason and i and i sense your passion about it and it uh it's inspiring so when you, you when you were uh when you were rebelling in those younger 20 years was it did you actually and i i just love this topic did you did you actually say hey i don't like the discipline that was projected onto me and forced upon me and i'm rebelling against it is that kind of what you what your mindset was oof i think i formed a kind of mindset where it's like if someone's going to tell me at the time i formed mindset where i said if someone was going to tell me to do something when i've already know i like should do i'm not gonna do it just just to spite them and that's like that's like that's like that's like you yeah yeah like going (laughs) hubris yeah exactly it is what is (laughs) and like ego is the enemy at the end of the day right but uh it's something that's been ingrained into me so many years of being rebellious that like even to this day there's sometimes where i will fight that it's like i'll like thankfully i'm old enough now to catch myself sometimes when i do it and it's like okay now you're just being unreasonable uh, a lot of times when I get before, when I get criticism, it'd be, you know, it's this person's problem. It isn't mine. Right. Like I'm, I'm, I'm fine. But now I would, mm, I would let it simmer a bit. I would think, okay, what is making them say this? What can I do better? And am I doing this at the best of my abilities? Or how can I, inc- like, if I do incorporate what they said, will it help? Is it, is it reasonable? And there's no harm in trying that for sure. Because what if a suggestion or a comment someone made, no matter how poorly delivered it is, and it hurts your ego a bit, mm. could help. Like, like I said, life is full of learning opportunities. You just need to know where to look. Yeah, it certainly does. Mm. And for you to to turn this passion into a, a career, into your into mm-hmm. your baby now, mm-hmm. into a corporation, into a movement, mm-hmm. were there were there people who said that you couldn't do it, and it further motivated mm-hmm. you? Hundred percent. It, it's it's definitely at one point. Um, my family did because this, mm. this is this project is or this career is about three years old. Um, like seriously, three years. And concerning what the world has gone through in right. the last couple of years, yeah. uh, it was like, it, 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 it was very, very demotivating because you see your clientele build and see them all drop off like mm. that. It's, it's very, it's very stressful. And, and don't get me wrong. Like I've went through like, I, that pushed me into some sort of like mental break where it's like, all right, what are you doing? And is this even worth it? Or do we ride this out? And and right now in and it's a little harder now with BC. It, we have some restrictions still, versus in America. It's in the states. It's a lot more open, and people are kind of back to normal. We're just getting there, so people are becoming more comfortable with coming out and whatnot. Um, and it's hard, like like, like with with this passion project. And with my parents, at one time they have like concerns, like, "Hey, you sure you want to do this?" Um, this is like very like a shot in the dark, but I realized one thing. It's like, I need to have freedom of control. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean I can't, I'm unemployable and can't work for someone, Mm. but I need that freedom. Right. And that's what I, when I realized, okay, I need to make this happen because obviously I'm not going to listen to anyone if, if, if they start micromanaging. And yeah, it's, I'm a, like, I'm a, I would like to say I'm a pretty creative person. So like, I like that creative freedom in doing what I want when I want. And if it means longer hour work days, like for example, working from 8am to 
6 p.m. or 8 p.m., you know, I'll I'll take it over having someone hound me behind my shoulder. Absolutely. I know you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, in some of your podcasts, you were working in the airline industry and interior design and yeah. things like that. Yeah. <laughs> hours and but when it's your own you know when it's your own business you know when i started my business when i was right out of college it was you know it was long hours and um the next thing you know i was 340 pounds jason so you're not going to fall into that trap no you're not i i could tell already i'm hoping like if anything i i i do the opposite of stress eating when i'm stressed Mm. i don't eat Mm. so that has been an issue um, so 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 I'm on the other side of the the, the spectrum than what you have experienced <laughs> for sure. Uh, what motivates you, Jason? <laughs> Oof, that's a big question. You know, when I was young, I thought it was money, but since eight years ago, I realized it wasn't. It's as long as I'm financially stable, I have a home base. I'm happy, and mm. I like I have a loving family. My parents, my sister, uh, like my friends, everyone around me that I keep close. That's all I need. But what motivates me is probably passion and like the 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 ability to have freedom. Mm. Like at the end of the day, my goal is to work on something I am passionate about and actually care for deeply. Uh, travel the world when things open up back again (laughs) Um, and be financially free. Right. And that's, I think that's being financially free is a huge one up there because for a lot of people in the world, they aren't, they're just scraping by. Right. And they always have to check monthly. Oh, what are they doing? How much are they spending? How, how are we going to budget even more to save more? And especially living in Vancouver, it's a it's a little harder with housing prices, hmm. inflation, everything. Um, it's a lot of people my age and my generation and younger won't be living in Vancouver or any nearing city. They'll have to move forty minutes out from the city, and that's a huge uh, stress stressor on future generations. And being financially free, and like I, I have a friend, his name is Nelson O O H. Uh, he just did a TEDx talk here about financial literacy and like, I guess he's, he's very inspiring for sure from, from my eyes because financial uh, literacy is a non-negotiable, like he said, and that, and being financially free takes a lot of stress out from everyone in the world. Right. It certainly does. So financials and financially free and working on what I love, Mm. what I like, when I want is my main motivators. So how do you measure? You could say, sorry, so you could say freedom. So you could say freedom is my, is my main motivator. Yeah. Financial independence and freedom. I mean, I would, Mm -hmm. I would think that that's, that's high on on a lot of people's priorities. And so how do you measure success, Jason? How do I measure success? Um, as a strength and conditioning coach, all the, it's definitely results, right? Uh, from a career perspective, it is definitely the results you get, how healthy your athletes are and how your retention for sure, mm. of your clients. In terms of personal life, it's it's subjective. It is for me. It's and it's this might sound cheesy, but it's happiness. Hmm. Just like, are you happy where you are, who you are, and where you are? If you are, then congratulations. Like in my in my book, you found happiness. Are you working towards your goal? Are you enjoying the process? Yes, that's success. Well said, Jason. Well said. Uh, all too often, when I ask people about success, happiness doesn't come up right away. But with happiness comes so many things. Generally, you're healthy. Generally, you have healthy relationships with siblings, parents, you know, relatives, lovers, etc., children, uh, and uh, having that as a as a as a marker, I think, really kind of falls uh, all through everything you do in your life. 
Oh, for sure. And that's puts you, that sets you up and puts you in a really good place mm. to achieve, for example, career goals or whatever. Because when you're not happy, I find that it weighs down on a lot of your tasks and whatnot. Depression falls in, <laughs> mental illness falls in, and then you know, yeah, so so many things fall in after that. It's uh, it's horrible. But oh, uh, sure. Jason Lau, what a what a what a pleasant pleasant time with you today. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Tell us how we can get in touch with you. Your website. You've got a great Instagram with great videos on there. Your Facebook. Well, uh, everything is performance purpose on Facebook, Instagram, and for my website, it's performancepurpose.ca. Uh, I mainly operate from Instagram. Uh, I should be probably posting more on uh, more on Facebook. I don't really use YouTube, but Instagram's my main one. Um, I will also be doing a lot of golf videos in the future with Big Iron Golf on YouTube. Hmm. So I'll be in partnered with him. Uh, his name's Joe. So subscribe to it. Subscribe or follow me on Instagram, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my newsletter on performancepurpose.ca. And I'll be putting a lot of, a lot of stuff uh, in the future now that uh, I am fully operating by myself independently. And yeah, like connect with me. Honestly, I always like to... I'm online a lot, so message me with any questions if you want to joke around even um i'm always open to everything or even if you want to do some form of uh collaboration for sure and also for all the golfers out there who want to get in the gym i have a um, product or a program out called top dog right. program on my website as well as in person and remote coaching is coming soon very, very cool. Jason, it was such a pleasure to meet you. I hope one day we get to meet to face to face and have a cup For of sure. coffee. That'd be great. That'd be amazing, Joey. I'm looking forward to that. Thanks again so much. You be well. You too, Joey. Thank you. Thank you for listening and or viewing Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. Please share this episode with one or two of your friends who you think may benefit from the episode. Our website, www.joeypins.com. There you find lots of resources and you could join our mailing list. Please follow us on all our social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Podcast information, the video version of our podcast is on YouTube. Please subscribe. Audio is on all major podcasting platforms. Please follow them. And if you like it, please consider giving five-star rating. Would really appreciate that. Would you like to financially support the podcast? You can go to our Patreon site. Consider $5, 10 or $20 a month. There's all kind of plans that we have there. There's like a one-time payment. What is this podcast episode worth to you? $25, you $50, $100, $500, $1,000, $5,000. You be the judge. You can go to our PayPal account to do that as well. Thank you again for listening or watching Joey Pins Discipline Conversations.